Hey, welcome to episode number 113 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for this podcast. More Than Bread is a podcast focused on the value of the Word of God for the people of God through the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that makes the Word of God come alive. I mean, when those three elements come together, something amazing can happen. Lives are changed. God is encountered. The forces of darkness are defeated. Worry and fear are eclipsed. Grace flows free. Life happens. You can feed a body with bread, but more than bread is required to grow a life. We need more than bread, more than stuff, more than achievements of every sort. We need every word breathed from God by his spirit. In the first 40 plus episodes of this podcast, the first chapter, we we made our way through the whole New Testament. The the next chapter took a, a deeper dive into the Gospel of John. The third chapter went to the Gospel of Mark. And now, actually about a year later, we're in the Psalms, top 40 Psalms. That's where we find ourselves. And in this episode, we're focusing on Psalm 22. Now, Psalm 22 is one of the most remarkable and prophetic Psalms found in the whole book of Psalms. While it begins with a cry of anguish and desperation, it transitions into a a powerful expression of trust, and, and it ultimately points forward to the suffering and victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a lament that leads to glory. And it's it's actually, when you read it, just listen, it's actually pretty amazing how Psalm 22 foreshadows the crucifixion of Jesus with stunning accuracy. I mean, it was written centuries before the event took place. But there's several verses in Psalm 22 that vividly depict the suffering surrounding Jesus' crucifixion. For example, in Psalm 22, verse 16, it says, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Jesus' hands were pierced as he was nailed to the cross. Psalm 22, 18 states, They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This happened as Roman soldiers divided Jesus' clothes and and, and cast lots, kind of like rolling dice for them at the foot of the cross. Psalm 22 is one of those passages of Scripture that reminds me of the divine inspiration of Scripture. It's God-breathed. The Spirit of God is the author behind every author, and And so while the Psalms speak to personal experiences, they can also point forward, like this one, to something else. This one pointing forward to the redemptive work of Jesus. Now, from a personal standpoint, Psalm 22 explores the reality that that both can occupy a single life, both great suffering and an unwavering trust in God's faithfulness, both hope and hard times can be a very real part of a present moment. Despite the psalms, psalmist's anguish and feelings of abandonment, the psalm, it ultimately affirms God's presence and, and redemptive power. And in the end, it, it circles forward to a declaration of God's kingdom reign over all people, all nations. So, so listen as I read Psalm 22, this psalm of just raw emotion and profound prophetic significance. Whether you're familiar with the crucifixion story or not, the Christ story, or or you're encountering it for the very first time, I, I hope you walk away from these moments with maybe a new sense of the significance of Psalm 22 and a and maybe even a bit deeper understanding of God's redemptive story. So let me read Psalm 22 from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. 
Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They they cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you were never and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my brother's mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near. No one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Oh, Lord, do not stay away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will Proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. God, I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. (laughs) Wow. We we go from suffering and abandonment to ultimate victory. In in the opening verses, we encounter the raw, desperate cry of the psalmist. And and if you know the Christ story, it's also the raw, desperate cry, cry of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, why? Where are you? God, why have you abandoned me? And if we're honest, most of us have cried out similar words in the midst of our times, right? Our hearts have at points resonated with the feelings of anxiety and abandonment. God, do you see me? Do you care? Where are you? This psalm starts as a lament of God's absence. The psalmist and Jesus are are crying out for God to show up, to come down and get busy. They they had this sense of God's absence in the midst of their junk. And as they were going through life at that moment, it seemed that God was hidden. He was far away. He was silent. And 
and even absent. I, I like how another put, pastor put it in a sermon on this fight with God for his presence. He said that we live we live our lives, we live our lives in the tension between our theology and our biography, between the tension of, of what we hope to be true about God and what we actually experience in our day-to-day lives that can often be filled with heartache and hardship and unexpected pain or loss. Now, this is not just true for us in our lives. It's on almost every page of the scriptures, like Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I mean, these words are a few thousand years old, but hasn't some version of that lament come out of your mouth in the midst of times when it seems God is absent? I, I think I think one of the reasons why people in the world don't take Christians seriously is because we've lost the heart that leads to lament. I mean, sometimes it appears that we don't take the pain in our world seriously. We just have this, hey, don't worry, God is here and he'll work it out, middle-class sweetness, but not Jesus. And, and here's my question. What if God wants us to lament? What if, what if God wants us to cry out when he's silent? What if he wants us to, to fight for his presence? Let, let, let me try to turn this into a question for all of us. Have you ever had a moment where it felt like you were fighting with God? Maybe it was a night when you couldn't sleep, one of those times when you faced a difficulty in your life that was so overwhelming, you could almost physically feel it in your gut. It it deposited this pain and uncertainty in the very core of your soul. It was like you were physically fighting something or someone. Ten years ago, I was even more than that. Now, I, I received a phone call. I'll never forget. It was my dad calling about my mom. They were on their way to attract me, to watch my nephew, and she felt this tingling in her arm and her face, and her, her, her chest felt tight. She could barely talk. Dad thought it was a heart attack, so he headed toward the hospital going about 100 miles an hour. But by the time they got to the hospital, her whole left side was paralyzed. She could barely talk. She'd had a stroke. The doctors told my dad they had this somewhat, at that time, new medicine that they could give her, but it had to be given within three hours of the beginning of the stroke. And the good news was there was about a 90% chance that the medicine would lead to a significant, maybe even complete healing of the effects of the stroke. Bad news was that there was a 10% chance that she would die. It'll either help her a lot or it'll kill her. Dad said he liked her better crippled than dead. He, he didn't like the 10%, but for my mom, it, it wasn't even a second thought. She signaled that she wanted the medicine. I talked to her just a few moments before they gave her the medicine. I just wanted to tell her that I loved her. But I'll be honest, the next 24 hours were not so easy for us. All I could think about was all that she had meant to me and my family and my dad thought about all the practical jokes she'd helped me to do. I thought about how much she loved to play with my kids. And I thought about all her prayers. And I thought about how much my dad loves her. And at one point I was praying and it just, it felt like I was fighting with God. Not normal sit in a group prayers, but just from the gut wrestling with God prayers. God, we're not ready for this. God, don't take my mom. This would be too hard. Heal her. But I'll be honest, in those moments, he seemed distant absent. I know I'm not the only one. Have you ever had a moment where it felt like you were fighting with the absence of God for more of God? 
You look through history and you'll find literally hundreds of stories of people wrestling with God, finding themselves in the middle of an experience with a silent God. I mean, think about Mother Teresa, who later on in life wrote this to a very good friend of hers. She said, Jesus is a very special love for you. As for me, Mother Teresa said this, as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and I do not see, I listen and I do not hear. And I know I'm not the only one. Have you ever had a moment where it felt like you were fighting with God? I had a few moments like that when my friend, Pastor Paul Grable, died. It wasn't just that I was losing a friend and a family was losing their husband and father. Our church was losing its pastor. It was a, it was a wrestling and a fighting for the city because that's what Paul and I dreamed and schemed about. And I'll tell you, in those first few months, I had a few knockdown, put them up yelling matches with God. I, I think I could best describe it as praying at the top of my lungs, <laughs> a cross between crying and yelling. And I, and I can tell you, I wasn't yelling the Lord's Prayer. I mean, one night I was driving and it just started pouring out, not, not the nice spiritual words of prayer that we learn in church, but more like the R-rated words of a lament. In fact, in fact, a few of the words were words we tell our kids they can't say. And I don't know, maybe maybe some of us can't even imagine an R-rated prayer. We, we fold our hands and shake our heads and say, Pastor, I don't think that's nice. But what if God wants us to lament? I mean, isn't it the case that sometimes if we don't lament, we aren't even getting close to being real with God? In fact, let's get real right now. A moment of confession. Have you ever, anyone here ever feel too busy or too distracted to pray? I mean, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I get bored with what I hear someone else praying, and then I realize I'm just listening to myself. Ben Patterson, a campus pastor at a college in California, said that whenever you get bored with prayer, it's probably a good sign that God is bored too, because you're not bringing you. You're not really bringing you, whether it's your hope, your fear, your anger, your disappointment, your lament, whatever it is, God gets bored with our prayers when we text them in from behind an anonymous number. He wants us to show up face-to-face with our real face, with our real face. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This is not just a lament of God's absence. It's a plea for God to show up. And yet, even in the midst of overwhelming suffering, the psalmist clings to faith. In verse 3, they declare, yet you are holy. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. And this confession reveals a profound trust in the character of God. Even when my story seems to contradict it, it serves as a reminder that even when we cannot see a way forward, God has the pen of my life and he's writing my story. And as we continue through Psalm 22, we can't, we can't help but see the cross. The cross is a story of the love of Christ. Verses 16 through 18 describe piercing hands and, and feet, the casting of lots for garments, the mocking of the suffering one. And yet as we approach the, the last part of Psalm 22, a remarkable shift occurs in the turn of the page. In the turn of the page, we get the start of a whole new chapter of hope. This lament gives way to a declaration of victory and praise, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. He's listened to his cry for help. God's faithfulness is showing up in hearts even before the hard time is over. 
In fact, in the closing verses, the psalmist envisions a future generation praising God and and declaring his love, his glory, his holiness. A day is being envisioned when all the nations will worship God. So here's my final thought. You, You might miss this. If you don't know the Jewish commitment to Scripture, most of the people of Jesus' day were not readers. Knowing Scripture for most meant memorizing Scripture. So the rabbi might recite the first few words of a psalm and his disciples would speak out the rest of it. You understand? When Jesus on the cross cried out these familiar first words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When Jesus shouted those words, it would have been the most natural thing in the world for his followers to recite the rest of the psalm. And at some point, words would have come to their minds like, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied, and all who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice With everlasting joy, the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. I can guarantee you there were at least a few people at the cross in the hearing of Jesus who would have thought those words when they heard Jesus say, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you that even in the midst of those times where we feel abandoned, where we feel like you're silent, where where we experience the absence of your presence, Father God, I thank you that even in those times, your love for us is certain. Your sovereignty is immense. And we believe, we believe, Father, that the day will come when hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. Our heart, my heart, will rejoice with everlasting joy. And the whole earth will acknowledge you as God and return to you. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord in spite of the difficulty that I might be walking through right now. God, we praise you. We thank you. You are great and you're glorious. You have not abandoned us, even in those times when it feels like you have forgotten us, like we are invisible and unseen. You you do not ignore our cries. You have not turned your back on us. You listen. And in hope, we know that the day will come when the whole earth will acknowledge you as Lord, when our hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. We thank you. God, we thank you for this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.